Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of 219 Green Connect, where we explore topics about the environment and green living in Northwest Indiana. For past show archives, news, and upcoming events, you can check out our website at 219greenconnect.com or join us on Facebook or Twitter. Our ID on both Facebook and Twitter is 219 Green Connect. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes to listen to it in its entirety and also the 60-plus other episodes that are archived there. I'm your host, Kathy Sippel, and with me today I have two local artists from Valparaiso, Indiana, where our show is uh, originates, Melissa Washburn and Amy Tomasek. Together they are part of a collaborative effort called Community Supported Art Valparaiso, and they represent eight local emerging and mid-career artists working in a variety of media CSA Valpo connects artists and supporters of the arts in the community and is now partnering with the Porter County Museum to facilitate these connections and strengthen their presence of the arts in Porter County. So thank you, Melissa and Amy, for joining me today. And just tell me a little bit about how this, how this group came together. Sure. Um, thanks for having us, Kathy. Um, basically, I've lived in Valparaiso for about 10 years now and have been a working artist the entire time. Um, Northwest Indiana has a very active arts community. There are a lot of galleries and organizations that promote the arts and that I've worked with and, and met other artists through. But in Valparaiso proper, we kind of lack some of the infrastructure, I think, that some of the other communities around here have. And I wanted a way to meet other artists and make people aware of the artists that live and work in our community. And I attended a conference put on by the Indiana Arts Commission last spring where the keynote speaker was uh, Laura Zabel from Springboard for the Arts in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is kind of an arts, um, they're like an arts incubator and they really focus on community arts projects. So this model is one that they piloted in Minnesota. Um, And when I heard about it, I'm a member of an agricultural CSA here in Valparaiso, and so this uh, community-supported art model is based very much on the agricultural model. Um, it sounded like something that I could definitely do in Valparaiso. I thought, why not? I know enough artists. Um, we can get out there and get some, get our heads together and make this happen. So the way it works is we have eight artists participating. People can buy shares, which means that for one purchase price, they will get artwork by all of the participating artists. Um, we launched back in November with the Call for Art, and we will all the artists will be creating their artworks by the end of May for distribution. Um, so it's a way to collect local art at an affordable price. It's a way to learn about the artists in the community. And my hope is that it also fosters relationships and partnerships both between artists and buyers and between artists themselves. You know, hopefully people will meet each other and go off and do other other great things in the community. Very cool. And then, Amy, how did you end up uh, getting involved? You saw the call for arts, and that's what attracted you? It's a long story. Like everything else I do <laughs> in my life, there's a, there's a very odd way around uh, the journey. But I was at the Drawathon at Valparaiso University in November, and I sat down next to Melissa at a table that we were drawing with yarn and wire, and we started having a conversation about this project, and it's like, oh, I want to get in, in this project because this is truly a, a fabulous asset to our community and giving giving artists 
uh, an opportunity, but also giving uh, people an opportunity to start collecting locally at a very affordable price. And, and everything about this um, matches uh, some of the pedagogical foundations that I adhere to when I'm teaching students from the liberal arts uh, curriculum here at Valparaiso University. And it just, it, you know, the bottom line, uh, it sounded like a lot of fun to be involved with this group and, and to make this uh, this maiden voyage. Great. Well, thank you both for sharing that. And since you both, um, you know, kind of mentioned very affordable price, you know, we all have heard the term, unfortunately, starving artist. And I'd, I'd like for that phrase to be eliminated from the lexicon so that artists are thriving. <laughs> We need art, and so can you just tell us a little bit about how how your program you know sustains artists and also makes um, you know the art available at an affordable price? I mean, if you if you want to use actual numbers, you can do that, but just say a little bit about how how the money flows through the system. Sure. Um, when uh, when individuals purchase a share, um, we're we're charging one hundred and fifty dollars this year and they will get eight pieces of art for that $150, one piece by each of the artists. Um, we are not selling any more than 50 shares, so we do have a, a cap to the number that will be sold, and that's so that uh, the artists have a reasonable amount of time to create that number of, of pieces. So some artists are doing multiples. I'll be doing prints, um, you know, in addition of 50 linoleum cuts. Uh, some of the photographers will be doing one image uh, 50 times, things like that. Uh, and then we have a little bit of a marketing budget. We're trying to keep our costs as low as possible because everything, um, aside from what we spend on the necessary marketing items, will go directly to the artists in the form of a stipend. So this is a, this is a model where the artists are being directly supported. The money of the purchase price goes right to the artists for them to buy art supplies, create new work, and um, and sustain them, basically, uh, because we we – I don't like the term starving artist either. Um, it's The arts are a legitimate um, way to make a living, and we also know from a lot of studies that have been done that the arts are, it's they're great, but it's not medicine. It's part of a thriving community, both in terms of economics and economic activity generated by the arts, um, and also as an employer of, of people. So I want to be part of part of that. Well, I love that. Love that answer. And I see on your website, and let, let's just tell people where they can find out more. I'll, I'll mention the website. It's www.csartvalpo.com. So that's c s a r t v a l p o dot com. And I see that you've got a sponsor page. So can you tell us a little bit about how the sponsors are supporting your effort? Yeah, um, we have a special sponsor share price that's a little higher than the regular price. Uh, sponsors receive the same art package as individual supporters, and then they also get a mention on the website and, and credit uh, at uh, events and things like that. So, and the reason we wanted to do that, there are a lot of local businesses, you know, local entrepreneurs who run their own businesses and believe in the spirit of buy local, and we wanted to involve them too. So we're kind of giving a boost to locally based businesses as they're giving a boost to us. So it's, it's, we very much look at it as I very much look at it as a partnership. Very cool. So is the intention that they would like display the art within their their venue or be resellers or some? Is it just up to them? It's entirely up to them. Um, I I 
doubt they would be resellers, but definitely, um, you know, one of our sponsors is a frame shop, uh, the great frame up in Valparaiso. So they had a natural affinity for this project. They deal with a lot of local artists and were very enthusiastic about supporting this. So, because um, a lot of these business owners are individual business owners that are interested in collecting and supporting art. Um, the Blackbird Cafe is another one. They, they uh, display art by a lot of local artists and have been very supportive of the arts community here. So it was you know, we really uh, approached businesses that were a natural fit for this project. Yeah, well, you know what, since we've mentioned two of them, I see four. Let's go ahead and give the others a shout-out, too, because I love it when, you know, local, supporting local. Pines Village, I know they do a lot of interesting things with the community, and it's um, a retirement community, basically. So do you have a vision or an idea of how they, they intend to use the art? Well, um, you know, I'm not sure because they're a little different than some of other, our other supporters in that they're a bigger organization. Um, they do have a gallery at um, at the community and um, have been big supporters of a lot of arts initiatives that have gone on in Valparaiso. Cool. And then Willpower Fitness, that one I'm not familiar with, but that, that seemed like an interesting sponsor. I was just curious about how... how well, and that's a new business. It. So um, it's Lynette Will Murphy, who is a personal trainer, and um, she opened her own gym last year. I've, we are friends. I've been one of her clients for a few years now, and she actually she's a she's bought my art personally. So um, that's how that came about. Great. Well, that that's great. That seems like a good start. And are you still accepting sponsors? There, those packages are available as well. Yes, um, we are, and there is, uh, there's a link uh, to send email on the website. Uh, it's info at csartvalpo.com. If people want to contact me about, um, about sponsorship, we would be happy to take on more sponsors. Great, good. Well, I hope somebody in the listening audience might be moved by that. It, it just seems to me like a really innovative way to kind of, um, you know, get get goodwill in the community, get exposure, and get something really tangible supporting artists at the same time. So it just seems like a win-win-win. And uh, so I see on your artist page you've got a variety of, um, you know, artists and mediums represented, photography, painting, printmaking, sculpture. Uh, did that did that uh, difference of styles just arrive through how the people that approached you, or did you kind of intentionally look to mix it up? Um, a little bit of both. Um, being the first year, we you know we didn't have millions of entries, but we really were hoping for diversity in the offerings. Um, you know, both because it brings different perspectives to the project, and also to make it more interesting for buyers. I I think at the hundred and fifty dollar purchase price. You know, even if all you really want is that photography, you're getting a fantastic deal. Um, and, you know, other CSAs in other communities, because this, this model is now being run in something like 50 communities across the country, um, other CSAs have included music, um, people have done limited edition CDs, uh, small books of poetry, fabric art. So really there's no limit to what we would consider. So again, you know, next year I would love to see a jewelry artist supply or, um, you know, any any kind of creative endeavor would be really interesting to include. So I think the more diversity in, the, in terms of the makers that we include, the better. Okay, Melissa, I'm I'm you cut out there for me for a minute. Are you still there? Yes, yes. 
Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. I just uh, it went silent there for a minute. Well, that that sounds like a great start and a great approach. You know, take what you get with the eye toward expansion in the future. But it seems like you're off to a great start. I recognize you know a lot of the names that I see on the artist page. Uh, Greg Hertzlieb, I had interviewed back on uh, my WVLP days, and he's a Facebook friend. I love seeing the art that he comes up with all the time. He's just uh, super productive, and I'm anxious to find out more about the others. Uh, so, you know, on your frequently asked questions, I'm going to just ask some of these questions because I'm sure listeners will be interested too. How do they know what they're going to get? Are they going to find out what would be in their share? Well, um, they won't know beforehand, uh, you know, very much like the agricultural CSA model. You don't know how the season's going to go or exactly what you're going to get. You may get tons of cucumbers. You may get only a couple of tomatoes. But the point is you are supporting the entire endeavor and enjoying the fruits of that. With that being said, um, now that we have this partnership with the Porter County Museum, people who are interested will be able to come to an exhibit that's up at the Porter County Museum from February 14th through May 16th and see artwork that's already been produced by these artists. Um, Everyone will be producing new, never-seen-before work specifically for CSA shareholders, but people can at least get a preview and get a feel for the type of work that these artists do if they come to that exhibit. Very cool. And I, I'm a community gardener. I'm not a CSA agricultural you know, CSA member. But, I mean, one thing I've seen with the community gardening is the people that do end up with a lot of cucumbers, they can always trade with the people that have a lot of zucchini or something. So it might be kind of cool. Everybody if, has a if, lot of zucchini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if members, you know, kind of form their own little collaborative, I could see them maybe swapping or, or who knows. I just, I love so many potential ideas that could come from this or just, you know, doing it with an eye toward giving it as gifts. If you're somebody that like uh, some people I know have almost every square inch of wall, um, you know, plastered with art. <laughs> it's a great way to still support the arts and, you know, pay it forward, give it, you know, give it as gifts. And I mean, that's averaging, let me see, math on the fly, not my strong suit, but how many pieces for $150? Eight, eight pieces of original art. Holy moly. So that's less than $20 a piece? It's, and it's, it is a great gift idea. In fact, uh, we sold some shares specifically as Christmas gifts. People contacted me and said, oh, I want to you know, give this as a gift for Christmas. So yeah. um, so far we're, we're gifts. Um, and I, you know, the other in terms of people not knowing what they're going to get, they sort of do. I mean, I think we have a really good mix of artists who are established professionals as well as emerging artists. So, you know, in terms of quality, I think we have we have people who are – um, very professional in terms of how they go about things. Um, and, you know, we, we looked at that, too. We wanted to have a mix of people because I see sort of a professional development component to this as well. Um, we have newer artists who are going to learn from the seasoned veterans that we have included in the season, and I think that's a nice aspect for the artists, too. Absolutely, absolutely. As an I- artist, um, I have to say that, that the idea – of spending $150 and not knowing what you're going to get is quite exciting because it's it's parallel to Christmas. If if you go to Christmas or go into Christmas and and the morning of Christmas you know exactly what's under the Christmas tree, that might be uh that might be desirable cuz cuz you have that knowledge, but it is certainly not very exciting. And 
in May, our our patrons are going to uh, emulate the experience of of having truly a surprise experience of of the gifts under the Christmas tree. They're going to open up treasure and be delighted by the gifts that they they have now, and it's um that that element of chance I think is uh, is is pretty exciting and. And that's why you should spend $150 to buy into this patronage because it's giving yourself the opportunity to be excited in May. I love that. I think that sounds like a brilliant idea. (laughs) It sounds like all around a great experience for the patron. And so I I would like to shift back to the artist experience a little bit. I think you, you brought up, Melissa, the idea of professional development. And I know that you shared an article online recently, uh, I think originally published in The Atlantic uh, a couple weeks ago, and the title was The Death of the Artist and the Birth of the Creative Entrepreneur. And so you said that that is kind of your life right now when we were talking just a few minutes before we started the show. Can you tell me a little bit about um, you know, maybe the tone of that article and what it's meant to you to, to live live that Well, I I think that a lot of times we have this cultural mythology, not just about the starving artist, but also about the solitary genius. And the reality is that great work is very rarely created in a vacuum. Um, Even some of the standout genius artists of the last couple centuries were part of a larger group from which they took inspiration, whether it was critique or co-working with someone. And that gets lost to history a little bit. And I think also just with the economy the way it is now, artists can't rely on having a tenured faculty position or having a you know a gallery gallery representation. So we're all kind of having to learn to hustle in a little bit different way to make ends meet. And I find it very energizing and a lot of fun. I mean, I've worn a lot of hats in my creative career. I've worked in arts administration. I've worked in graphic design and advertising. Um, I you know, and I've always been a, a painter and a, a maker. So, you know, that idea of being a creative entrepreneur, I think, is a little healthier than, than thinking about the starving artist because it it is more realistic in terms of how we actually work and what we actually need to do, and it looks at art careers as part of society as opposed to something separate from it. So I thought the article was very timely. It's probably not news to any of us that work in the arts, but it, it was a nice kind of a nice summary of, of the shift that's gone on. Yeah, I love that. And another thing I learned in the article was that the word art itself derives from a root that means to join or fit together. That is to make a craft in the sense that it, you know, shows up in phrases like the art of cooking. Uh, and I just thought, well, it's also fitting together perhaps of artists in a guild or, you know, maker spaces I think are coming on the scene Valparaiso is, um, I think, going to be launching one, Hubworks in the old Valpo Tech building. I know they've got some ideas around that. There's a new co-working space that popped up recently, downtown Valpo, and that was my last podcast interview. So I I just think so many people are are tired of working alone, and you're right. There is a free-flowing network of ideas that happens when you get together with like-minded people and you know the shared shared space shared tools whatever shared advertising there's just a lot of i think synergies that could come out of an effort like this so has that been something that you found to be real beneficial in how you approach your work 
Um, you know, I think it's always beneficial to be part of a group. I have some artists that I've gotten together with just for critique and kind of sharing, and sometimes it's just, you know, gripe session about work. Um, and we get together about once a month, and that's been really invaluable just to have other people to bounce ideas off and look at your work. Um, and then I think, too, just in terms of structuring community, I mean, it, it's not just necessarily around work, but just around family and community and um it's when you live in a place for a long time, you need those those networks and those connections, and it's nice to be able to introduce two people that don't need, know each other or see a new project get off the ground. And um, it, you know, I think I'm starting to see a lot of that happening around the arts in Valparaiso. I know of besides the CSA, I know of I think four other projects um, that are coming up around co-working or maker spaces or educa arts education spaces and galleries. So it's very exciting. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I just hope that this venture goes very well for you and for all the artists involved and that it continues to expand and grow. I know for the beginning, it uh, looks like on your website, you're saying that you're giving a preference to Valparaiso-based artists just because you're you're trying to really improve the local economy first and um, sh you know, kind of sh uh, selling the shares to people that are local. Is that something that uh, was influenced by the existing model in Minnesota or was that just a decision based on the group's individual objectives? A little bit of both. Uh, a lot of the CSAs that have, that have been launched are hyper-local in that way. And yet yeah, my objective absolutely was to start building some arts community, specifically in Valparaiso. Because you know, I know artists all across northwest Indiana, and I participate in events and shows in Michigan City and Hammond and Munster, and, you know, I just wanted to see that kind of thing happen here, too. So that's why I kind of wanted to skew it with people with Alpo connections the first time around, at least. Good, good. And just kind of a personal question for both of you. How did you both get into, you know, this this career? Melissa, you said you, you kind of made a transition into being a full-time artist, but just tell me a little bit about your artistic path. Um, well, I did. I went to college for art. I got a BFA in art, and um, the school I went to in upstate New York didn't really have any career development. They just kind of pat you on the head and say, go to New York. And that I'm just too type A to deal with that. So I, I ended up moving to Indiana and getting a master's degree in arts administration. So as I said, I worked in arts administration for a while. I, I worked for the Indianapolis Museum of Art um, in various capacities for about four and a half years. Um, then did some more moving around due to my husband's career, but I was painting the whole time. And, um, you know, I ended up getting into graphic design professionally. And it was after settling in Valparaiso and really getting a chance to put down roots here that I started really developing my artwork um, with more of a mind towards making it a career. But, yeah, so I've I've done a lot of different things in the arts, uh, partly because I just don't think I'd know how else to live my life. <laughs> And you made the transition, did you say, within the last year to go to it full-time? Yes, yes. Right. Um, and that was, I don't know, I'm calling it my midlife crisis, but I kind of I, I kind of looked around and said, well, if not now, then, then when? So I just, I took the leap. Um, luckily, I have a very supportive family and, um, you know, had a lot of good people to, to chat with about it and, and bounce ideas off of. So, so far, and so good. Well, I must say I've really enjoyed the art that you've shared. Uh, most of it I've seen via Facebook, but I know you've got dragonflies, you've got a lot of uh, birds, and it seems like you're really influenced by nature. Has that always been a big interest for you? 
Um, it it has. I you know I grew up in the Adirondack Mountains and uh, doing a lot of fishing and camping and things like that with my family. Um, and as much as I love the city and being close to Chicago, I I'm just fascinated by birds and insects and. Um, I, you know, I've done a landscape series of the dunes, and it's just that's kind of where I find peace. And I also just have an endless curiosity about about animals and um, and insects and how they work and and all of that kind of thing. So, very cool. And Amy, what about you? What what has your path looked like? Oh, my path is is um, uncharted. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I started out making photographs as a nine-year-old uh, as a 4-H project, and I kind of grew into photography just based on interest of using the camera. My father had a wonderful camera that he gave to me, and so I started making pictures, uh, and not very seriously, but just as, as a vehicle to uh, to kind of foster my curiosity about what do things look like in a certain context. Then I went off to college to be a science major and discovered that I could take a class in photography and that it was, you know, my assumption was that it was going to be really easy because I already knew everything there was to know about photography. And it wasn't. It wasn't easy at all, but it was very rewarding and it was it was enlightening in so many ways. And I ended up graduating with a degree in communication processes emphasizing in uh, in image making. And at the time, it was print journalism that that was driving the uh, the markets. It was pre-computer, pre-Facebook, pre-everything. And so I was I was kind of set that I was going to be a journalist of some sort. Then I went off to graduate school, and uh, and discovered that I could make a living uh, being an educator. And I truly love being an educator, teaching photography. It's it's um, every day that I'm spending in the classroom is is the best use of my time. Um, to kind of contrast a previous part of our, our conversation as far as our professions go, I think it's important, and, and I bring this up to my students and, and uh, parents frequently, we're all moonlighting. Every one of us does something uh, to, to get money, to pay the light bill and to pay the heating bill and um, and to buy supplies and all this kind of thing. And so essentially, even if you are working in the arts, you're moonlighting. Uh, because if if we didn't have the necessity of of money, you know, the necessity to drive an economy, um, we would just be making stuff all the time. Uh, sometimes this works as a as a very very suitable balance in our life. I know in my own work as a photographer, everything that I do is influenced by my students and or uh, things that I have to see and do or deal with around me. And most of my work is uh, is about local economy, meaning agricultural documentary photography, in some, some way, either by photographing portraits or by photographing uh, vernacular scenes that show the representation and the relationships between a certain industry and its surroundings. Um, going, kind of doubling back, though, so, uh, my students say things and do things, and I'm paying attention to what they say and do because my goal as an educator is is to lead them down a path that shows them success and balance in their life regardless of their major. And their, their observations and their statements very often uh, influence how I see and do things. Um, I, uh, I started a, a series 
a little more than a year ago, which was almost a lark, called Another Beautiful Day in Paradise. And I document pretty much daily what's going on outside of my window, whether it's at my office or it's at home or it's wherever I'm traveling. And I try to to fixate with my camera on something that everybody else is, is missing. And some of my influences have been these incredible photographic moguls like Minor White and Paul Caponegro and, of course, Ansel Adams. And, and Ansel Adams photographed in just grandiose places that later uh, resulted and benefited all of us nationally. But um, people that are a little bit more obscure, like Minor White, talked about Zen Buddhism as, as the root of their photographic findings. Now, I might be the least Zen person you will ever meet, but uh, as, as those concepts resonate in my own work, um, I think it's important to pay attention. And I think that when you look at the collection of artists that are in our group, everybody in here is is paying attention and noticing the subtleties that are so beautiful and so complex, both uh, in in an esoteric way and in a concrete way. And that is the beauty of this project because not all of us get to travel a lot of, of places that are exotic to make exotic-looking pictures. Um, paradise is the frame of mind. And to be a, a successful artist, you can't be making excuses all the time. You should be making art all the time. And, I uh, love that. and this is the balance that that I hope that I'm I'm meeting. I, I hope have that a I'm feeling, teaching this to my students. And I have a I, feeling you are, and I have to interrupt. I really hate to uh, yeah. say it, but we're almost out of time. This is this Bye. half hour has just passed like minutes for me because I'm fascinated by everything that you both have shared. But I, I resonate so much with that message. I take a lot of pictures with my, my phone at the dunes and really focusing on very small things. So people listening do one very small investment that's going to result in big happiness. Go to csartvalpo.com, and you can get the details of what we're talking about. Eight pieces of art by local artists for only $150 to get your share, which you'll be able to collect in May. So I hate to cut this short, but we are almost out of time. You have been listening to another episode of 219 Green Connect with Kathy Sippel, and my guests today have been Melissa Washburn and Amy Tomasek, who are both artists from Community Supported Art CSA Valparaiso. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for having us, Kathy. Take care.